Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Jason Oates, the founder of the non-surgical penis augmentation procedure that we call Caliber. People call me the dick doctor, and I'll be talking all things penis, including size, shape, and function. Hi everybody, uh, Dr. Oates here with the Penis Podcast, and today uh, it's my great pleasure to uh, be able to introduce uh, Dr. Luis Casavantes. Uh, and if you're uh, a member from uh, the Fellow Boards uh, Forum, uh, you'll definitely know the name Dr. C. Well, here is Dr. C. Uh, and he's certainly one of the real pioneers in fellow plasty. Hello, Dr. C. How are you? Hi, Dr. Oates. Hi, Jason. How are you? Good, good to hear you. Uh, good to see you. I'm doing good in this side of the world. You're a dermatologist. So a dermatologist is a, a skin specialist. So I finished medical school, went on and did proper training in, in skin. So skin cancers and rashes and all kinds of weird and wonderful conditions of, of, the, of the skin. And you've been a practicing dermatologist, did you say 30 years now? 30-something. 30 30, I think it's 32 or something like that. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. did anybody ever say that you look like Dwayne Johnson? You know, The Rock? No. Nobody's ever oh, yeah, said yeah. You, you know what? Yes, but, but before, before I aged so much <laughs> and I was a little, a little heavier and stuff. Yeah. Well, when I'm looking at your photo on the Avanti uh, Derma website, I say, God, they got they got the rock in for the photograph there. <laughs> but, That's funny. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so has, has your dermatology practice always been in Tijuana? Yes, yes. I, I got out of school in Mexico City, but then I, I came to Tijuana. Uh, um, I have, like everybody, most people in the area, I had dual citizenship, U.S. and uh, Mexican. So I live in the in the U.S. in San Diego and, and work in Tijuana. Not a perfect formula because we need to cross the the most the busiest border in the world every day, almost. <laughs> yeah. My, my parents took me to San Diego. It would have been thirty five years ago, um, and at that time, in, in all our travels, we thought San Diego was the most like Perth, which is where I live. Uh, in Australia, of any city that we that we saw, sort of a West Coast um, um, city, smaller sort of city. Um, I guess in 35 years, both cities have grown a lot. Um, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so you, you're you're a busy dermatologist. You've got a full dermatology practice, but then at some stage you moved into phalloplasty. How did how did that happen? Yeah, it was a, kind of an an accident. You know, when in, in 2002, I got a patient, a young patient that looked prematurely old. So I did a little filler in his cheeks, a little HA, a little bit of HA, and his response was incredible. He left the office jumping on joy. And I went like, what did I do? So he sent another one and that other one sent more. And all of a sudden I have an, an inundated practice. But the thing is, it was that everybody looked the same. Everybody was young and everybody had uh, premature aging. 
uh, around that time, I, I got in my hands uh, um, an article from Dr. Carr from Australia. I don't know if he's in Sydney or in Perth, or I don't know, where he described the lipoatrophy, HIV-related lipoatrophy. So at that moment, I said, oh my God, I've been working with this, and I, don't even, I didn't even know that I was working on this, right? But HA was very temporary for, this, for these guys. So I started researching and I found in Brazil, I found the PMMA because these guys needed um, a more permanent solution than, than HA. So I started working on that, that's 2002, 2007, I had an office. I, I just did facial reconstruction. So 2007, this guy told me, can you do my penis? And I was like, well, you know, I learned the technique in Brazil, but you will be number one. He <laughs> says, I don't care. If you can work on faces, you probably can work on penises, right? So I cannot tell you how fearful I was, but I did it. And um, I know exactly how fearful well. you were. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I can. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> So I did it and I was like, I, 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 I looked at the patient for 30 minutes to see if I didn't create any necrosis or something. And uh, no, everything went, worked really well. So same thing, same as, as, as with the faces. All of a sudden, another patient and then two and then four and then the office was full with them. And it all started when the, when the antiretrovirals were being modified so patients didn't have any lipoatrophy anymore. So I stepped away from facial reconstruction and started uh, penile enhancement. This is 2007. And uh, oh, it, it's just been growing and growing. <laughs> I, I, I sort of, once the word gets out, um, yeah, people keep on, um, keep on. So you started off really in penises with PMMA. So, can you explain to the listeners what is PMMA? Yes, um, what the, the way the way it is, we have two different two big groups of fillers, right? Uh, the gels, hyaluronic acid, and the microsphere-based uh, subtissue fillers. The microsphere-based subtissue fillers are basically two at this moment, which is Elans uh, polycaprolactone uh, microspheres and TMA, which is polymethyl metacrylate microspheres. The only difference between the two uh, products is that uh, Elans decays and gets reabsorbed, and TMA doesn't. So uh, PMA um, has, has, has had an evolution, a very slow evolution. I think um, most, most practitioners, more, most doctors are very uh, worried about permanent uh, body alterations, <clears throat> and, and, and we should, mm. definitely. Yeah, because uh, the, the, the problem with permanent fillers like PMA is that the only, the, the only solution is something goes wrong is surgical. So a body alteration that can end up with scars and deformity, right? So, um, but, I, but I learned that way. If the, I was trained for the phase. I was trained in Brazil by Marcio Serra, uh, Brazil at the time had a program, a government program that will treat the facial hypertrophy patients for free. It was, it was government paid. 
So they had this official program and Marcio Serra was the head of that program. So I got trained with plenty of patients in, in Brazil. So I got a lot of confidence because I, I liked the product and uh, I started doing that. Mm. Um, yes, in, in Australia, we've never had um, the, the brand of PMMA that, that you use. Uh, we went through uh, a number of different particulate fillers. Uh, there was Dermalive, which was sort of chopped up solid silicon in, I'm not sure what, what quite it was, what was in, uh, but that was a, a problem. Um, I can't yes. remember the other, but there have been various other permanent, and of course there, there was silicon, silicon which has been around for, for decades uh, and has had some useful uses, uh, but has been used off license in, in many places in the face. And I, I still see patients coming down from Southeast. Well, I used to see patients coming down from Southeast. Southeast yeah. uh, we've had <laughs> injected in their nose, but in, injected in the breasts and, and various other places. And silicon can Correct. look fantastic to start with. Um, and maybe for some people it stays fantastic and we never see them. But when it goes bad, um, then, then, it, then it's a problem. And, and then it's a hard problem to, to fix. A real problem. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, that, that product that you mentioned, uh, the uh, that was chop, chop sil yes. silicone, that was very problematic. And uh, uh, Gottfried Lemperle from, from Germany, he has done the most ex extensive uh, research work on PMMA. And he discovered and proved through clinical trials that the microspheres or microparticles in the fillers must be soft and rounded and standard in size. And that product had ch uh, chunks of silicon all over the place mm. that created granulomas big time. Yeah. So, yeah. And so the bioengineer, uh -huh. Well, I was gonna say that, that sort of is the, is the amazing thing how the PMMA especially has uh, changed and developed and they've come to understand the science of it so that it now does seem to be a safe product. I can remember a decade or so ago, cosmetic groups sort of around the world, Europe, were saying, you know, no to particulate fillers. They were just too big a problem. Uh, right. And the pro problem was more so how the fillers were made in, with that technology at that time. And it seems like, the technology has improved and you're, you're sort of the proof that you can use it long-term and, and have lots of happy patients. Correct. Correct. But we don't have it. We don't have it here in Australia. <laughs> um, you don't have uh, Bellafield either, the, the, from Suneva, that is manufactured in San Diego. You don't no, have that. We don't have that. Oh, okay. No, that's, that's okay. Good. And this is to show, yeah, we don't, I don't even have the option of looking at. But if I was going to use those products, I'd want to come to you and get you to show me how you do it. Because um, I started using hyaluronic acid and the, the reason I wanted to use hyaluronic acid was that uh, if I needed to get rid of it, at least I, I could. Because I hadn't had any training in, um, in the penis and my original training was ear, nose and throat surgery. And so I'm very comfortable uh, in the face. 
but my practice has always been cosmetic. And I started in okay. 1999, and the fillers were in Australia just starting at that time. Botox, um, uh, collagen uh, was all we had, and um, right. Xyloform. And um, so I, I, I've done a lot of that in, in the face. But yeah, I had a patient who came to me and, and said, well, you can do all this injecting for women. Why can't you do you know, injecting for me? I said, well, what do you want? Your cheeks? No, no, no. I want you to, to make my penis big. <laughs> I, said, oh, yeah. I don't know. With the wonders of internet and stuff, I, I was finding that the, um, the Koreans, uh, of course, had been publishing some papers. Right. And, um, you know, they have their email addresses on the papers, so I write to them expecting and, and asking, can I come to Korea and, and learn how to in inject hyaluronic? Never heard from, from them. And, and so eventually I, I just had a, I decided, okay, this is something I think people are really going to want to do. And so I was just asking friends. And so I was really nervous when I was doing my first case saying, I've never done this before. I've got no idea how it's going to turn out. <laughs> I can dissolve it if I have to. So, um, right. Fortunately, that, that sort of it worked out okay. So, um, so you've been using PMMA, and in fact, was there a time when PMMA was the only product that you offered at all? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I used PMMA from uh, two thousand seven for the penis from two thousand seven to probably 2015. Uh, and the thing is that I got kind of like locked up in that, in, in, in I, I, I was stamped with PMA. My avantiderma was equal PMA. So I tried to use HA because of all the convenience things of HA, but it never took off. It wasn't until I got my hands on, on Elance that was, 2015 probably and it took off a little bit but nothing major and so I stopped offering it and then all of a sudden patients starting uh, started uh, knowing about it I mean in the US because it was available there for a little while and then they became more aware of the existence of Elance so from 2017 I think uh, the my the the allowance fraction of my practice has grown from probably five ten percent to probably fifty percent now. So we do basically yeah. one one PMA patient, one allowance patient, and occasionally an HA. Okay. Well, in that case, with your experience, what difference do you find in using the two products? Clinically, nothing. It's exactly the same. Uh, the only thing probably is, you know, Lance is, is more, um, I will say, cosmopolitan, comes in a beautiful packaging, comes with a beautiful syringe that is easy to use. And PMA is a little more, um, what, how do I say, budget. Is, uh, it, it comes in a generic uh, package. I don't have anything at this moment. And I'm not in the office. Um, but comes in a, it's a regular syringe. And so, it's easier to use Elance than, than PMA. But the consistency of the product, both are 30%. We have in PMA, we have the alternative of 10%. But the consistency is the same. The vehicle is the same, carboxymethylcellulose. Uh, everything is the same. And the clinical results are exactly the same, except that 
that one is long term, right? Mm, yeah. Well, do you see patients' results with the lance dissolving and disappearing? You know, uh, 2017, I think I started using it uh, with more and more frequency. And I've been using in 99% of the patients, the version L of uh, lance, which is three years. But what I've seen is that it lasts way more than three years. Uh, I, I haven't seen uh, any patient to this day that got rid of the whole thing. Uh, so I'm, I'm of course the, the the penis is an extremity of the body. The metabolism is, is lower there. And it's not exposed to elements and stuff. So I am afraid. I'm not afraid. I, I think that's going to last way more than those three years. Yeah, uh, that's definitely been our experience as well. In fact, I've never seen it go away. Um, my first patient who I haven't seen for a, a long time, but it's probably almost six years now. Um, but I haven't heard of any patients who have um, uh, had it go away. And I had a, a patient actually right. fly out from the USA and he must be almost five years now, maybe in January or February of 22, he'll be five years. Um, and he was on fallow boards. Uh, the last time I heard it was about four and a half years. And he said he had, couldn't see any difference um, with it in that, in that time. So I have read, some yeah, so, mm -hmm. I've read some studies where they were looking, I think it was the, the one year version of Alance. And then they were looking at the histology of it at two years. And the product was obviously still there. It was starting to break down, um, mm -hmm. but it looked like the majority of the actual product was there. And, and for, for listeners, and I hope we don't get too caught up in sort of the things that we're interested in, and we'll try and make sure the listeners are interested too. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, I'm just fascinated to be able to meet you and talk to you. Uh, <laughs> most exciting things I've done with the podcast. In fact, probably the most exciting. Um, and I've got lost my track now. Um, so, yeah, the, the Alonso was still there at, um, at two years. Um, but it's not the actual, the Alance that's doing the filling. It's the collagen that it stimulates. The collagen, exactly. And that collagen supposedly has well, what we call a half-life of 15 years. Um, and so that means in 15 years, half of it will break down. And that perhaps we'll still have half of it. And in another 15 years, half of it will break down. So that's a really long time, but we don't know whether that collagen mm. disappear quicker or last longer. It is a big experiment. <clears throat> and that's something I, I try and sort of explain to patients that um, phalloplasty is actually considered an experimental uh, process, even though you've been doing okay. it for, for decades. <laughs> I don't know, how, how many thousands of patients would you think that you've done in that time? Well, I've been a little lazy, but in 2016, I published uh, 750 patients. But in reality, I took those 750 patients because they were the only ones that had all the records and all the, 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 the good data, right? But I, 
uh, I took 750 out of uh, probably 3,000, and that's 2016. So I'm around easy over 5,000 pa patients, and I don't know how many procedures, but I haven't been doing statistics lately. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 hard, and I'm been trying to to do studies, and we've been working with a, a university here and the psychology department. Um, right. I, um, we followed a patients up for for a few years now, um, but it's now down to me to sort of collate all the data. And the study goes along great until it becomes my responsibility to do something, and then it always grinds to, to a halt. Um, and really, yeah, it happens. And yeah, we should definitely try and make some kind of commitment to, to publish more so that it, it does become better known and that, that it becomes an accepted thing that you know, this treatment is a real treatment done by real doctors using medical products. Um, exactly, uh, exactly. Yep. Of course, the problem is the more you publish and the more you teach other people to do it, um, you end up just training your competitor who ends up setting up down the road from you. So All right. it's always the, you know, that little background thing in, in, in your mind. Um, as I know, I've been in Australia, the person sort of pushing this idea of injectable phalloplasty. Uh, but then, yeah, clinics spring up all, all around you and with a, uh, great social media sort of advertising and websites and stuff and all of a sudden everybody's an expert um uh, but that's okay i guess that is what's going to uh advance this area yeah it's, it's definitely gentrifying I, I see it i mean all over the place uh, i remember the days when when i was probably by myself because for some reason the Brazilians uh, I have a lot of friends there and actually I just had a visit from a young guy he's in his 30s and he's, they just started a practice in um, dermatology cosmetic medicine and everything is a it's a male dedicated practice and uh, but for some reason they have they never were at that at the level that they were when they when, when they were doing facial reconstruction when they were doing facial reconstruction, there was a, a shuttle service from the US, an airplane shuttle service that will take loads of patients to Rio de Janeiro to, to get fixed. And the phalloplasty has not been that prevalent there, but I think it will be. And what, what I have noticed, you probably, probably have too, is that now the patients have the, the uh, capacity to go to the corner in, the, in their city to the nearest plastic surgeon and get the phalloplasty done. But I have said many times, I don't, I wouldn't be too, I wouldn't be to like the first or the 10th or the uh, 20th first patient of a, of a guy doing phalloplasty. No, <laughs> yeah. no it's, it's, I guess everybody needs to start somewhere, um, but you don't want to be the person that they're starting on. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so that's always the advantage for those sort of who are the established practitioners like us, who um, right. now very easy for us to say, or only go to see somebody who's done hundreds, thousand cases, you know, like, exactly. like me and you. <laughs> it is. Right. But it, it's, it's, it's definitely coming. 
Um, because there was a time when there was no woman who had had a breast augmentation. And then exactly. there was one. And, and then it just took off. And of course, for women, it, it's much more visible. And, um, and I think it really took off in, um, in Las Vegas with showgirls and it, it, their breast augmentations made, made their money back very quickly um, there. Right. Whereas most of our guys um, are relatively shy about it. I, I assume it's perhaps the same in, uh, in America that you know, they're not necessarily all telling all their friends that they've had it. Right. Do, you, do you find that's changing? Uh, the, the future of, um, uh, I'm sorry, what, what was the, the well, do you, do you Do you think that more guys are talking about it, about what they've had done to their penis compared to five or 10 years ago? Yes, definitely. Uh, I remember in the beginning, one day I got a patient <clears throat> from New York and he was laughing, we were laughing because he was telling me that he went to a party in New York and uh, my practice came, came into the conversation and he was already my patient. <laughs> so he's sitting there with the guys and they're talking about this guy in Tijuana augmenting penises. And they go like, have you heard anything about it? And he said, mm -mm. <laughs> so, so this is this is 10 years ago or something. So now, and, and, and of course it all depends on the patient. Some patients have no problem, even crossing the border. You know, my patients come to me and they need to cross back into the U.S. Uh, through uh, the San Isidro border. And sometimes they ask them, what were they doing in Mexico? And some don't have any, any problems stating, I went to for a penis enlargement. It's like, and, uh, and of course, it's, it's very well known now that, it's, that it exists, even though many patients don't have an idea how it works. Like, they started me on TikTok, uh, one day, uh, it was a, a Wednesday. By Saturday, I had ten thousand followers. <laughs> but it, and it was like they they shut off my my website, but everything happened because they thought that I had a magical pill or a magical little something. They didn't realize that it was a, uh, a medical procedure that involved anesthesia and, and, uh, and a high payment and, and stuff like that. So it was it was like a, a big curve of followers and then they disappeared. But but it, yeah, it is it is gentrifying definitely. definitely. Yes, we've um, found like when we were starting this, advertising on Facebook was the thing to do for for cosmetic um, medicine and surgery. Uh, but we couldn't advertise anything to do with penises. That was not allowed. Exactly. They're allowed to. Um, they're allowed to market breast augmentation, but not market penis augmentation. And I, <laughs> I thought that's very sexist. Um, uh, and then um, AdWords for us was the big thing. So have an AdWords campaign, which is terrible because it costs you a fortune. Um, but the, the, the vast majority of guys who find me are guys who are Googling, make my penis bigger. How do I make my penis bigger? Uh, and then they right. come up. And so it used to be having AdWords for that was good. But then recently Google sort of cut out um, AdWords for, for at least here in Australia for penis augmentation. So we couldn't use AdWords either. So, um, 
yeah, it's, it's really been a lot of um, guys Google searching, but I, I keep on, do you, and do you find that the same for you? Is that how the majority of guys find you? Actually, uh, the, the awareness in Australia is huge. I can tell you something. Um, Australia was my third country <laughs> until you came on board. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, the awareness in, in Australia was, was, was amazing. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Well, that's perhaps why I've seen some of your, your work. And um, uh, I've seen various work with PMMA. And so I had a guy come in and uh, I thought he wanted to discuss having an enlargement. He said, oh, no, I just want to show you what Dr. C did for me. I thought, oh, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> and he pulled it out, and um, yeah, I, I was thinking, well, it sort of looks and feels like a normal penis. It's just very fat. And of course, I've had other people come and show me PMMA that's been done in Southeast Asia, Northeast Asia, various places, and it's full of lumps and bumps, and and then asking me to fix it and. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to chop it up. Um, uh, and yeah, and I don't really want to inject things around it either because I'm worried that I'm going to introduce an infection. Okay, it's all lumpy and bumpy, but it's, it's not infected in a disaster. So what do I do when somebody comes in with lumps and bumps from PMMA that's been done anywhere else but you? Is, is dramatic is uh, I have done uh, with a surgeon, I'm not a surgeon, uh, but I have assisted uh, a surgeon in the removal in probably three patients. And it's very, it's extremely aggressive. The, the post-care, the, po the post-surgery um, couple of days are horrible for the patient. And, uh, and it, the, the, turnout is not good. Yeah. So it's one of the things that I tell to my patients, to my peer. We have a, a, a criteria, um, a, a selection criteria. We don't take young patients. We need them to grow up. We need them to be really sure that they want a permanent modification. And even though <clears throat> I, I have been always this from the beginning, stressing that we don't do penile enlargement, we do penile uh, enhancement. We just want to make it beefier, less retractive, and uh, and uh, heavier. But we don't want to put. The moment they come to me and they want one inch or one and a half or two inches, I go like, no, 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 come down. Half inch is perfect. It's going to be a substantial change, and you're going to be in, in way safer uh, in the end, right? I had a patient in the beginning. I did three or four sessions, and uh, then I refused to keep going. And one day I, I realized that he had been seeing this urologist and he got, that I know, more, more uh, like those, a dozen more sessions. So the guy did probably 20 sessions, so I don't know. And one day he came devastated because he divorced and he couldn't find anybody that will accept having anything with him because of the size of that thing. 
So it's one of the, the patients that we took, took it off. And uh, interestingly enough, we, we took it off. The recuperation was horrible for poor guy. Then he recovered. And a few months later, he comes back and he wants more. And we're like, oh. uh, I think you, I need you to re, I need to refer you to somebody else. <laughs> yeah. I knew you were going to be saying that. As soon as you <laughs> said you had taken it off, he's got to come back, isn't he? Yeah, had to, had to be. Right. Okay, so... How many mills are you using per session? What's a, a, a routine of volume that you'll put in in, in one set? I feel comfortable in in anything in 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 between well, a minimum five, six, whatever, up to to a twenty cc's. Uh, once I start going over twenty, I start feeling a little, uh, not a little, very uncomfortable, and uh, sometimes it's a bit a little bit difficult to. To tell the patient, listen, I do not sell PMMA. I'm giving you a medical procedure, right? So it's not about, because sometimes I, they tell me, I can pay more. It's not about that, right? right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so so 20 will be max and depending on, of course, on, on the size of the patients, right? Mm -hmm. But, but uh, I rather do different procedures because one thing that I definitely have seen is you start forcing product uh, product into the penis and you're creating lumps and bumps and cysts and so many complications. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I certainly find that I get more lumps and bumps with a lance than I do with a hyaluronic acid um, patients. Um, uh, I have a, a, another doctor who was working here with me in Perth, but he moved to Melbourne and then WA locked the borders and he couldn't come back. So he, he lives in Melbourne now. <laughs> what done. Um, but yeah, he loves Lance and he would 90% of patients, 95% use it. Where when he first started with me, I was 95% um, hyaluronic acid. Uh, but yeah, sometimes I'll do a Lance and I, at the end of the procedure, I'm so happy. And I think it is perfectly smooth even it's distributed perfectly around the penis into the base. And then I'll see them at some time, you know, um, two months later, and there's an area where it's thicker and lumpier. Why would I be getting that? <laughs> What's gone wrong? What have I done wrong? What is patient? Right. Wrong? Why yeah. But probably my, my, my worst nightmare with the lens is uh, a guy that has not micro penis but a very small penis that is buried and is very retractive, and I did him, and I regret because definitely retraction is our worst enemy. Absolutely. And uh, there's no right, there's no way that I can keep that penis pulled with anything; it no. disappears into the body. Yeah, and of course his uh, his results are uh, not not good at all. Uh, patients that, that hang well and that, they have no retraction and a good size are way easier, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So my number one reason for refusing um, to do a, an augmentation is retraction and retraction and being overweight. So you know, some of these guys like grab their tummy and I'm lifting it up and saying, <laughs> right. Your penis is fantastic. 
your stomach is the problem. Lose 30 right. kilos, come back and see me. I said, but if you lose 30 kilos, you won't need to come and see me because exactly. one, your penis will be much bigger because you it won't be covered with that. Two, you'll look fantastic. Imagine how much better you're going to look. Women will flock to you compared to you know when you're 30 kilos overweight. You will feel fantastic. You know, your sexual stamina will go through the roof. You know, there's just no point in having a fatter penis if you've got a huge fat stomach. You've just got to get those. Right. But absolutely. If you if you wait for people to lose 30 kilos, then you'll you never get to do anything. So sometimes we end up having to do liposuction on, on some of them. And, and liposuction, especially when do you do any liposuction at all yourself? I do not, no. So um with a cosmetic practice, um, yeah, I, I do a bit of life. I went to actually to, to the US and when I was in Indianapolis, a, a surgeon there said, uh, learn how to do liposuction and you'll never starve. <laughs> I thought I was probably. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, sometimes when you do that, um, that suprapubic liposuction, so immediately above the, the penis, um, you can get some very impressive right. swelling um, and they can end up with... Um, uh, their scrotum sort of looking like a, a, a softball or a, a small basketball or something. It starts getting um, quite small. And the penis can sort of all swell up. Um, so that can be a, an interesting uh, experience for them. But yes, I've, I've also tried to use filler for a guy with a lot of retraction. Basically, he had like a very impressive foreskin and that was it. <laughs> you know, it's just skin hanging out. We tried it. That was it. <laughs> And yeah. fortunately, I used hyaluronic acid, but then I just created an impressive donut around where the penis should be. That, so as you say, you can't beat retraction, you know, really severe retraction with, with filler. But, but for most guys who get a little bit of retraction, that weight of the product, and perhaps it's just that it's hard for it to retract against that physical resistance, most guys say that it, it makes a difference, don't they? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Did I see on your website, maybe an earlier version of your website, that you're using um, Tadalafil um, Cialis for minimizing retraction, especially after um, having a procedure? Correct. In, in some patients, we use Tamsulosin uh, regularly to relax the, the, the penis. And sometimes we add uh, the, the uh, Tadalafil. The... Okay, so what was the first one you so, used? Uh, oh my God, I, I, got, I got lost. Okay. <laughs> it's, um, let me see, I have it here. It came, came automatically, but it, it went away. Um, it's Tamsulacin, it's, it's the, the Flomax. Oh, okay, yeah, yes. So we, um, we started off using those um, sort of, that, that can either be used as blood pressure medications or for prostate to get a, a better a flow. Um, the, what in the medical terms, we sort of the alpha one blockers. But yeah, that was an interesting, and I can't remember quite how I came across that a few years ago, but it was a strange thing that there was this medication that had this reputation of making your penis bigger and it was just <laughs> increasing that blood flow into the penis. Um, right. Just yesterday, I, I was speaking to a young guy who 
last year when I did his original procedure, um, might have been two years ago now, did his original procedure, I gave him that medication and uh, he said, oh yeah, he felt a little bit lightheaded a couple of times, especially if he stood up quickly, he had what we call postural hypertension. Um, so this time we were giving him Cialis instead. Um, what I find with a lot of guys with Cialis is that when you start them on it and they get that, their penis sort of hanging out to the full sort of um, size, the full length, plus maybe they get some increased function as well, um, easier to get a, an erection, that sort of, then they don't want to stop it. <laughs> Do you find All that? Right. <laughs> Can I get another script yeah. for that? Um, <laughs> And I wasn't. I yeah, some of my patients. Yeah. Yes, some some of my patients because in Mexico, uh, those those medications, uh, Viagra, um, Cialis, and all those, are uh, OTCs. So they come here and they get truckloads of them, and they they go back. <laughs> ah. Yeah. So yeah. here it's um a, a script, and uh, you can sort of only get a, a month by month sort of script, which is a bit of a nuisance. Uh, and it was only when I was speaking to a friend and he was telling me he'd taken the tablet every day for three or four years. I thought, can you do that? He said, yeah, you can do that. Well, okay, so that's when we started sort of using it. And we've certainly found that it, it, uh, it helps that, um, as you say, retraction is probably our, our number one uh, enemy. Um, I say being overweight is our, our second enemy because of its if it's just hanging over and hiding the penis, you, know, you just can't uh, do anything mm -hmm. with it. I tell people it's definitely not a treatment for micro penis. And about a month ago, I had a guy come in. He was really psychologically upset about his micro penis. And, and I've never actually had a, a person come in and say, I've got micro penis. And I'm saying, so micro penis, the erection is less than seven and a half centimeters it seems exactly. as yes my erection barely seven and i thought oh, okay gee that that's a little bit unfortunate okay show me and so he unzips pulls this gigantic penis out and i said did you mean seven <laughs> inches <He> says yes <laughs> so that, is, <laughs> that is not my <laughs> Seven <laughs> centimeters, seven inches, different things. So I had to. It's completely different. <laughs> completely different. Wow. So actually, something that we've finally instituted only in the last few months is um, uh, some of these penile dysmorphic questionnaires. Um, and there's a series of questions. So we've only just, well, in fact, only really in the last month, I think that girls have finally got it that every single patient has to answer one of these. Um, and I think in the future, we'll be using that for, for some sort of research. Um, but yes, it's sort of interesting how much these guys have, it's got a scale going from left to right and on the right-hand side is it's extreme, 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 extreme. How, how many ticks there are and how extreme they feel that their penis size worries them. And then when you see them, they've got a normal, average size penis. Um, and I guess you probably see uh -huh. the same. It's the guys that you see have normal average penises for the most part. Right, the, the, uh, we're talking about the um, small penis syndrome, right? There is, is it, 
other than, I mean, the opposite side of the coin, like retraction is our worst enemy, I think the small penis syndrome is our best ally. Mm -hmm. Because the patient to begin with, this is not for you, but for our audience, the, a, a person with small penis syndrome has a normal sized penis, but they think that it's small. So they can go to the shrink, they can go to whatever treatments, and they're going to continue to see that penis as a small penis. They come to us, and they get a substantial uh, increase that is palpable, visible, and everything. That's the cure for those guys. And that's the, the number one indication for us. It is. So as I, um, I started writing papers with a, um, uh, a psychologist. Uh, and uh, she does a lot of work in, in sexual health. And she actually met her because she was writing papers on labiaplasty for, for women and was contacting me because uh, I, I do that uh, surgery here in Perth. And then I asked her, would she be interested in writing about phalloplasty? Because there's really not that much, especially on the, the psychology side of it. So she started writing um, papers for us. Um, and it's one of these things that, um, it's very difficult for her as a psychologist to say, yes, just have the procedure because that's going to fix you. Because on the psychology side, you've got to say, you've got to go and have psychology and talk through it and work out your problems. You don't have, don't have a procedure. <laughs> she just can't. If she says that, she'll never be allowed back to a, to a meeting. She'll be kicked out of her college. So it's, it's sort of interesting. So the, the psychologist that we're working with said the same sort of thing to me. They said, all these guys have normal-sized penises. Why do they want to have abnormally large penises? And I'm saying, because it's a, it's a bigger penis. Like, it's like... Right, that's it. That's it. <laughs> like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I understand the question. Like, and the funny thing is, he, it, was a, it was a male uh, as well saying this to me. I'm saying... Wouldn't, wouldn't you want a bigger penis? It's like, it's, it is ingrained into men's psychology. And in fact, it's sort of the ultimate insult. And in fact, that's another reason why I see men, and I'm sure you must have seen hundreds of men like, who come in and say, I broke up with my girlfriend or wife, and she said, I've got a small penis. Yeah. Right. Right. That's the number one source. That right? is. And yeah. And when a guy has been told that, I think they, they never forget it. And not even like for a single day. Um, early on in my career during rhinoplasty, I had a patient who I did a rhinoplasty on in here. She was in her fifties and um, somebody had made a comment in her high school yearbook about the size of her nose. And so when I took the splint off her nose, she was like in tears um, saying, oh, no more. And she said every single day that she looked in the mirror, she thought of this comment. And I think it's the same for guys. Somebody says something to them like that, and then they never forget it. And they think, they'll never forget. Yep. And, uh, and yep. Yep. You know, I, I measure their penis, and um, Professor Veal from King's College in, in, in London has told us that the uh, the median, the average sort of circumference of a penis is 9.3 centimetres. So I tell everybody it's, it's nine and a half. And so you measure them and you say, look, you're 10, you're 10 and a half centimetres around. 
you're a centimetre bigger than average, you know, you don't have to worry about it. You're fine. But that's never, I've never talked a guy out of it by saying, look, really, you don't need yep. it. You're normal, you're average, you're, you're a bit over average. But no guy ever says, okay, oh, I'm average. That's, that's great. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you, uh, you watched this. Um, uh, it's a, a little documentary that is called Big Like Me. Uh, the author came to me. I did his uh, great enhancement. And he narrates the the whole the whole process of his uh, uh, quest for a bigger penis. So he came to me, and he starts his uh, his uh, uh, documentary, stating that the wife told him, "You don't have any problem. You're normal." And he says, "I hate that word. I don't want to be normal. I want to be big." <laughs> I don't want to be normal. I don't want to be average. I want to be big. It's, it's the way it is. Yeah. It, 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 um, yes. So, of course, most guys are average. That's sort of what average sort of is indicating and normal. Um, the statistic that I really like is that 50% of guys are below average. Now, that's mathematically what average means. It's, it's in the middle. So 50% of guys are smaller than average. On one side. <laughs> so right. 50% of guys want to have a bigger penis because they're smaller than average. But uh, the other thing that we find is you have guys who've got big penises come in and I ask them, say, well, you've got a big penis. You know, why do you want to make it bigger? And they say, well, well, big is good and bigger must be better. <laughs> yeah, think, thinking for themselves, right? Because women don't agree with that. No, no, that's... And again, yeah, so yeah, eventually you get them up to that sort of size and you're saying, well, if we make it any bigger, what are you going to do with it? Because nobody's going to want to have, have sex with that. Right. Um, right. Yeah, it's an interesting sort of thing. And maybe some guys don't want it for sex. Right. Yeah. I can, I can tell you my, my extreme case in that, in that arena I got up, uh, we do remote consultations. I'm, I'm positive that you do too because pe people cannot come just for consultation, right? So I have a, a picture of this guy that wanted a bigger penis, but he sent a set sent a set of pictures in relaxation, but he sent also one in erection. Interesting enough, he had 12 quarter, 25 cent coins, US, uh, US dollars. And it was 12 of them. So I was like, what's the size of one of those coins? So I measure, measure one is one inch. So his penis was 12 inches and he wanted, wanted it bigger. I don't know what for, but he, he was requesting it. I, I said, you don't need it. I, I'm not messing with this. <laughs> yeah. It's yep. a, and yeah, in fact, I, I, I explained to guys, you know, I, you know, when you've got something that's really good, it's possible to go backwards and, and, and make it worse. And especially when you're using one of these uh, really long acting fillers where if you get a lump or a bump, they're, they're just not easy to, to get rid of. And it depends on, on how willing you are to accept that. But uh, it's, it's the same with having a really pretty girl come in 
who just wants like a millimeter off her nose because she's a model and you know she thinks it's going to improve her, her modeling career and you think but if you, if you just have one tiny irregularity on that nose and you make her a step backwards rather than forwards she's you know never going to not see it she's going to be so unhappy and penis isn't quite so out there i guess but but guys can really get fixated on on even small things on their penis have you had guys had guys with the tiniest little lump who are almost having a breakdown over it oh yes oh yes definitely and it's one of the our uh, uh, criteria selection people that um, patients that or prospective patients that won't qualify is those that we call it uh, well, the, the situation is called phallocentrism, right? Uh, their life, their well-being, their future, their uh, social skills, everything relays on the on the penis. And the other thing is the dysmorphophobia, right? That they won't tolerate an irregularity and they are obsessively worried about future complications. And yeah, definitely those patients shouldn't be taken. Sometimes, sometimes, they go through the filter and we get them and then we have a nightmare because it's like, I don't even see that. No, but if I bend it this way and how many, how often do you bend it that way to mm. see the little lump, right? But it, yeah, it happens. Yes, yeah. It, um, yeah, it's possible to, to miss them occasionally, isn't it? Which is, um, which is a shame. It's, um, it, it's, in fact, sometimes if you have a problem it's better and easier to have a, an obvious problem that you can see, I can see. Uh, so you can say, at least we've got something, okay, we know what we're trying to fix, but when you've got a problem that you really can't see, then you've got nothing to fix. Um, <laughs> that is, that's yeah. much more difficult, um, much more difficult problem. So yeah, patient selection is, uh, is a really you know, important uh, thing. And, and it's a, it's a little bit difficult to explaining to a guy, look, I don't want to do this because I think you're not a good candidate. I don't think you're, you're going to, at least with, with this, yeah, we can say, look, I think you're going to, you've got a high risk of being worried about a small problem that then I can't fix. And I don't want you, you know, for the rest of your life being worried about something that I've done to you. That sort of right is when the AHA comes so handy, right? That is, that is when you know, and I've had uh, two or three cases where we've just dissolved the whole lot, got rid of it, and um, you know, it's an expensive exercise, um, for me, <laughs> so I, I give all their money back, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, at least there's a at least there's a way out there, so that's um, right, it's uh. Um, so you've got these amazing treatments um, uh, for the shaft and you can give them a permanent, thicker, meatier, girthy shaft. What about the, the head then? What can you do for the head? Yeah, you know, uh, you mentioned uh, South Korea. I, I did go to South Korea. I contacted one of the doctors and um, he had... I believe two or three different products. It, uh, the name of that product is or was, I don't know if it's still in the market, Lipen, L-I-P-P-E-N, right? 
and it was dextran microspheres or it was PMMA. So he had the absorbable one and the other one. He was doing the glands in a matter of five minutes, probably three. And he was putting three, four, and five CCs of the lipin. And uh, I saw amazing results in a matter of minutes, but I never saw a patient after. Uh, even though we, we were in contact before, I told him I would like to see a patient that you have done before. I, I won't see uh, him months later or something. I never saw one of them. But then I got uh, a couple, two, two patients that did it and they got necrotic and they uh, got uh, um, scars and, 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 and kind of like craters. It's, it's weird how the, the glands heals, right? Really it, kind of like little, exactly, exactly. So I was like, mm, I don't like this. Uh, so I decided that I will use only uh, HA in low dose for the glands. And I, and I tell the patients, listen, this might not be worth, for you, worth it for you because it's gonna be a, a light increase and it's all I can do. So I'm, I'm very conservative with glands, uh, with the glands. I, 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 I don't promote it and I kind of like, don't even like it. Mm. Uh, it's not that I don't like it. I, I, I feel a little bit um, weird to offer the patients and collect the money and everything for a very light increase. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so years ago, when I was starting, I, I was doing some HA into the, the body, well, into the, the depth of the glands, and you could get a really nice immediate result, and you could put it around the edge of the glands that we call the corona, and that would flare the head out nicely, and it, and it looked great, and the immediate result looked huge, had a great shape, and then a few months later, it was all gone. And it appears that by injecting into the body or into the depth of the, of the glands, the head, that's, as we know, erectile tissue, and it's got a blood flow. And maybe it's when they're erect and it just washes the hyaluronic acid away. So it disappears. That's, yep, exactly. So that's... Um, uh, and so, you know, and then we were starting to look at maybe we just got to put more in in the, in the initial sort of thing. So we're putting three, four, five mils in in, in a go, and but then they're all still washed away. So that was that wasn't so great. But then, of course, the, again, the Koreans, uh, Dr. Moon and, and Co., had that paper where they were treating premature ejaculation, and they're correct more superficially, and they were getting mm -hmm. ninety percent of it lasting eighteen months or so. And I'm still able to measure that augmentation. Um, and so we, I do that occasionally. Um, and the skin of the head of the penis is crinkly uh, because it's made mm -hmm. to expand with, a, with an erection. Um, and I, I find you, you're injecting the, the superficially and it's very easy to get lumps and bumps and what we call a Tyndall effect, where it looks a bit bluish because it's this clear gel straight under the skin. Correct. And you right. can keep on injecting more and more and fill in 
the valleys, the hollows between the lumps. And in that case, I find, yes, it lasts a long time. Um, it flares, but, and it, and it can be useful. I, I haven't sort of cured premature ejaculation, I don't think, for, for any of the guys that I've, I've done it on. Um, right. But it's trying to get that balance of whether the, the look with some of the lumps and bumps um, is worth it for the size increase that they, that they get. Uh, and, and then I, I saw the Spanish experience using Aquamid with this polyacrylamide um, uh, gel. Now, Aquamid's been available in Australia for 20 years. And I can remember when it first came out and it was causing all kinds of problems, mainly with infection, because people just weren't treating it with enough respect. Uh, and then after I saw a few people with infection, I thought, well, I'm never going to use these permanent fillers. You know, permanent fillers can give you permanent complications. And so I just totally stopped. But I, I've got a couple of colleagues um, on the East Coast who have been using it regularly for 20 years and they can't understand why, why we're not all using it and you get permanent results. But I, I still wasn't convinced that I wanted to use it. And you know, I have guys asking me, why can't I do a permanent procedure? And I said, well, I actually try and send them to you <laughs> when they want a permanent procedure. <laughs> Only one man in the world I know who can do it and, and can get a, a great result. So, and of course, you know, for two years, that hasn't been able to happen. Um, but I wasn't confident to use Aquamid in the shaft of the penis because if I got a lump or a bump, then the only way of getting it out is to stab it and squeeze the, the product out. Squeeze it, yeah. And then I'm, I'd always be worried if I'm stabbing through the skin to squeeze it out, am I then going to introduce an infection and start a, a series of problems? And the last thing we want is to be causing problems. But the Spanish group had been using it in the glands for three years. Um, and they were using it after they'd used... Uh, the inflatable pumps into the shaft for um, uh, for erectile dysfunction, permanent erectile dysfunction. But that pumps up the shaft and gives them an erection, but the, the head, the glands is still soft and small. And so they wanted something to fill the glands up and get a bit of um, substance to it for being able to have sex. And it's only using relatively small volume, say three mils at a, at a session, um, but they hadn't had any problems over that three year period. And I sort Amazing. of mentioned it, I mentioned it on, and, and you sort of commented on how there have been all these other problems with these polyacrylamide gels, the bioalchemid. And so I went back and I tried to find everything um, that I could find on it. And certainly some of the other polyacrylamide gels have got a lot of documented complications, but much less for uh, Aquamid itself. There are certainly infections caused by it, and I think that's just done by not being sterile when you're injecting. But there, there didn't seem to be these long-term complications. And it still worries me that phalloplasty, penis augmentation, experimental procedure for every urological society in, in the world, um, somewhat controversial. Um, and you're, 
it's the sort of thing that in Australia you could get hauled up in front of the medical board and saying, you know, explain what you are doing, why are you doing this strange thing that nobody else, um, nobody else does. <laughs> but if it was a hyaluronic acid, and you say, well, I can dissolve it all away, right, right now, it'll be gone, five minutes, you know, dissolve it away. Um, but with a permanent filler, that's an, another matter. Um, the more and more I read, the more comfortable I've got. Um, so I have started offering it in the last two to three months and I've done maybe 10 patients now. Um, and we're very, very clear that this is an experimental treatment. And in fact, we're going to be writing up a, a study between um, us in Spanish and maybe a couple of other groups around the world. Maybe this will be um, an answer. I hope we're not sort of um, doing this in a year's time and uh, discussing, well, what a failure that was. Um, um, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> wouldn't be good. Um, but hopefully, hopefully that's going to be something. So we'll wait and see. You know, in, in my experience with those fillers, uh, Aquamid, I, it was available, but I never used it. I used Biochemid for facial reconstruction. And we were using large amounts. We were using 18, 20 cc's in the face. And uh, we had two different complications. One was what it was uh, definitely a septic abscess after a, a dental extraction, after there were heat in the face, after things like that. But also what worried me a lot is many of them will, will have a niche uh, at night and in the morning they were like blown up like a balloon with no, um, no trauma, no nothing out of the blue. And those, uh, we will extract the, the, and it came out like, like chicken fat. It was kind of like yellow but no other or nothing. And they were aseptic, they were non-septic. So they seem to be, I didn't do any further research or anything like that, but it seemed to me like sometimes was the, the, the reaction, the host reaction to the chemical, uh, to the product. Because we, we send the samples to the lab, they, they couldn't find any bacteria, anything, but they still have that. Of course, we're not talking about two or three CCs. We we're, talk we're talking about 20 or something like that, right? And, and not Aquamid, but the other one, the, the Cosin by Alchemid. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the company that makes um, Aquamid Contura sort of points out all the differences between the Bioalchemid and Aquamid uh, in the concentration of the polyacrylamide, in the, the pH, the, the lengths of the chains. And with Aquamid, it has this, what they describe as a free water exchange. So the gel is 97% water, but that water exchanges backwards and forwards between water in the body. And the theory is that that sort of gives it its safety, that it is interacting with the body and body tissue water gets into the, the actual um, product. And so that's sort of the idea of, as to why it's um, safe. But all the companies always, you know, they're, they're there to sell you the product. They're there to tell you 
why it's great, why it's better than everything else. None of them ever come and tell you this product's terrible. It's just going to ruin people's lives. This is going to become the worst thing that you ever do. It'll be a rod for your back. So yeah, everything a company tells you, you just have to take with a, a grain of salt. Um, so I think if, we, if we're going to do this, it, it should only proceed as part of a study that we're going to publish and that we need to follow these guys up for years and years and years. You know, maybe we're going to have to follow them up for decades to really know that it's, it's safe. And you know, maybe it's a bit like COVID vaccinations, you know, you do a vaccination, you think, hey, look, we're all safe. And then we find, oh, six months later, oh, the vaccine's not working anymore. We've got to have another vaccine. Um, I know, okay, yeah. that's, that's fine. So long as they don't sort of find that, oh, you know, everybody who gets three vaccines, you know, grows an extra arm. In fact, I wouldn't mind having an extra arm. That would be handy. But um, I wouldn't mind it. <laughs> it, will, uh, it will come handy. <laughs> yeah. Well, so long as you, one of your arms doesn't drop off or something. Um, and again, right. it's the same if we're, we're using this sort of thing. It, we, we've got to be considering it. And you know, there may be no reason for it, but we don't know um, until we know. Exactly. Yeah. Well, good luck. Uh, I, as I told you, I don't have any experience with Aquamid. Uh, I, was, I was dealing with the complications of Bialcamid when they invited me to a workshop on, on Aquamid. And I just looked from the distance and I went like, uh-uh. <laughs> so... Yeah, but it's, it's the extent of my experience with the product. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll keep you uh, informed as to how we go and you know, what happens. And um, we'll see if, uh, if it is part of the future of this, um, of this process. Look, is there anything right. else that Thank you'd you. like to, to tell the, the listeners about the wonderful things that you do with penises? Well, um, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to... Uh, I'm about to announce that I'm retiring because no. it's uh, 30 some years. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's 30 some years of, of these and uh, 17 years of bioplasty. Um, I'm going to be uh, remotely controlling my, my office and Dr. Morales, who is a very skilled physician. Uh, you probably know about her too. Oh, yes. uh, she, she's going to be in, in charge of this. And I'll be traveling between San Diego and a beautiful tropical paradise that we have in Mexico that is called Puerto Vallarta in uh, the west coast of Mexico. Uh, it has the biggest bay. Uh, it's almost a gulf, but uh -huh. still considered a bay. And uh, I'm going to be sitting right in front of it, uh, watching the most amazing sunsets in, in the world. But still very interested on this on this uh, topic, and uh, I want to remain pretty active, if not if not hands on, at least this way, the way we're doing it today, or or similar ways. And, um, and I'm very happy. I mean, my career got a lot of a lot of spice uh, with with this uh, with with the phalloplasty. It was definitely another thing, because I went through. <clears throat> I started dermatology when we use uh, just the magnifying lens <laughs> and the whole sudden fillers and lasers and Botox and all that came, it was a big turn. And then the fillers turned their, their own, uh, I mean, made their own way into this. So yeah, I will be very happy to continue participating <clears throat> in this world, but uh, I certainly want to take it easy for, for the time coming. Okay, so um, 
very important news there. So um, for everybody, what you, you'll find um, that some of my colleagues have found, nothing makes your practice busier than retiring. So, <laughs> so everybody, if you want the, the man who really developed um, phalloplasty and, and the, the use of permanent fillers and PMMA, you've got to get to Tijuana like straight away and, and, and <laughs> get Dr. C to be able to do your procedure. I know Dr. Morales has done hundreds and hundreds of cases and uh, we'll have to get her on to the, the, um, to the podcast and have a chat with her as well. But I Good imagine that as soon as people hear this news, flights to San Diego are going to be booked out. People are going to be booking hotel rooms. What's the name of the hotel <laughs> that's above, above your practice? <laughs> That, that place is going it's, to be uh, uh, right. Yeah, it's going to be a, I mean, hot. You won't have a moment to rest from the from today until the day that you say, I've got to get out of here. It's just too busy. <laughs> right. I hope that you have a wonderful, wonderful retirement. It sounds like a fantastic place. I hope that one day I can uh, can get over there. Um, as I said, my, my parents took me to, to San Diego and we did go into Tijuana, um, but we didn't, you know, I was only a kid. We didn't really have a great chance to look around. I'd love to be able to get to Mexico. In fact, I've never been really into Central or South America at all. Um, so hopefully my future will lead me in that direction soon. You will be always welcome. I, I have a, a nice place there and this place sits right at the end of the Rocky, you know, the Rocky Mountains yeah. turn into the Sierra Madre in Mexico, and it, they go and end right there in Puerto Vallarta. So we have the big mountains, the palm trees, the weather that is fabulous, hot and humid, and uh, uh, lush, green and everything. So it's a beautiful place to, to spend a little bit of time. I would love to be able to get across there. As soon as I get off this uh, this recording, I'm going to go to Google Earth and look it up and, uh, and have a look there. It sounds fabulous. Um, uh, you certainly deserve to be able to go and take some time and relax and sit on the beach. Uh, maybe you've got a boat that you can go out, out on. Uh, it's been a great pleasure um, speaking to you. Uh, we'll make sure that we um, have some, some notes, uh, links to Avanti Derma, so that people know where to find you. We'll get this posted onto um, onto fallow boards because this is going to be. You know, I guess you, you must be happy for us to be releasing this information because you, now that you put it here, everybody's going to know. <laughs> the phones will be running hot, running hot next week um, with people because yeah, this is if this is their last chance to see you, they're going to be getting in. Look, thank you very much. It's been a great <laughs> pleasure, and I do hope that one day we get to uh, meet in in person. It's been a pleasure, Jason. Thank you so much. And uh, good luck. You have a wonderful practice. I've been following you too. And uh, it's been uh, definitely a revolution, in, especially with the indication of its shape and with, uh, with the added uh, challenge that you guys have in, in Australia because the patients are not circumcised. So I really admire, admire a good job when the patient is, is uncircumcised. That, that's and, the, and your population. Yeah. 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 That's been a look. Wonderful talking to you. Thank you very much. I look forward to talking again. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Have a great day.